Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Yo, 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 yo. Hey, you guys need to pray for Pastor Rod because um, he doesn't have enough room for all of the things. That's right. As we record. If you guys came to the office, which I would recommend, you should come by and say hello. You should swing by. And then you could see our our podcasting studio, which currently is a a table that's maybe a a foot and a half by by like three feet. Four feet when I ordered it. Thank you. Okay. Four feet. Don't want to shortchange it. Well, what about this side here? Is that about a foot and a half? What is that? That's probably about, yeah. A foot and a half yeah, by four thereabouts. feet. Thereabouts. So it's this really narrow table that's really wobbly. And I, mean, I had works. to take out the support struts. It works. It's not, it's, I mean, yeah, it works. Hey, it makes the New Jerusalem that much sweeter. That's true. It's October 9th. It's Monday. It's Monday. Monday. Nothing special about October 9th that I know of. Not that I know of either. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a Monday. We hope that it, and pray it's a good Monday for you. Um, is it is it a holiday on October 9th? Why do the kids? Why are the kids off? Of school? Oh, it's Columbus Day. It's Columbus. Happy day. Columbus Day, everybody! <laughs> I think people have mixed feelings about that. Not here. It's still Columbus Day on our calendars in Texas. Col- okay, well, it is not Indigenous Peoples Day. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say some people uh, they call it a different thing. These nope. Days. Our student, our kids' calendars say all Columbus say Columbus day. day. Wow. We are not woke. Well, I mean, I think there's a, there's an appropriate way to think through our nation's history without being without being a woke monster. Yeah, no, that's fair. But it, I mean, yeah, the, the the land did belong to somebody else. Do there you remember here. who the nation is named after? Columbus. It's oh. not named after Columbus. We would be in the United States of Columbia. Oh, the uh, America. No, I don't. Amerigo Vespucci. Oh yeah, that was my first guess. I was thought it? about that, but then I said, "No, it couldn't be Amerigo Vespucci." He found the United States before. Well, not the United States, but he found America <laughs> okay. before Columbus did, actually. Oh. And so he gets the naming rights as the um, America. And then he just drove away. Namesake. Like he, he showed up. He's like, "You know yeah. what? On second thought, I don't want it." He's like, "All right." He's like, "It's okay." <laughs> he landed in like the swampland over in Florida, I think, or oh, somewhere. Oh, that's like, why yeah. he made a mistake. If this whole thing is like this. I don't want it. Yeah. How crazy, though, that Columbus thought he was in the West Indies. I know, man. I, we, dude, I get it, though. Without my Google Maps, I'd probably be lost as well. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I would drive for, like, multiple days and weeks and months thinking, shouldn't I have hit my target by now? <laughs> it just goes to show how much advancement we've made in the knowledge that we that we have. I mean, dude, and and the, the way that we're growing in knowledge as a as humanity is, is phenomenal. Right. Super exciting. Right. What the prospects are exciting and terrifying when you think of sinful mankind. Yeah. That's behind the wheel tower of a lot of Babel that. situation all over again. Yeah. I, probably with a, the AI advent too. And yeah, there's a lot of problems to be, to be experienced for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, let's jump into Isaiah. Yeah. We need the, we need the anchor of the word. Yep. Yeah, Isaiah 41, again, we're in the context of him wanting to, to comfort the people of, uh, of Judah. 
And, uh, and he's doing that by reminding them of God's power and God's sovereignty. And th- there's this opening line here of kind of the courtroom where he's calling the nations together for judgment. Um, and he's reminding them of his sovereignty. Uh, he gives up nations before him so that the, he tramples kings underfoot. He's, he's, uh, God is saying I, he is the one that's sovereign over the ge- geopolitical and military affairs of the world. The ones that conquer, conquer because God enables them to conquer. Um, and he says as much in, uh, in verse four, who has performed and done this calling the generations from the beginning. I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he just this, this unabashed statement of God's sovereignty and power and majesty uh, there in the opening. And then what's the response from the nations? Well, they're going to turn to their idols, the goldsmith. And that's that whole section there that he's talking about uh, trusting one another and, and the craftsman strengthens the goldsmith and smooths it. With, they're talking about making idols that the nations are going to turn to trust instead of trusting in God here. Um, and then we get the idea of Israel as the servant. As a servant. As a servant. Not the servant. Not the servant. Right. And that's an important distinction. And one that's going to play a key role here uh, in this uh, in these chapters, because you're going to hear a lot of uh, about the servant. Now, there's going to be a difference between the servant when it replies to uh, applies to God's people, Israel, mm-hmm. a, as a servant right. and the servant being the uh, the future suffering servant, the uh, the servant of Isaiah 53. And when we get to Isaiah 53, we'll talk about this more. But that's an important distinction there because the Jewish people today want to look at Isaiah 53 and say, well, that applies to the nation of Israel. Uh, but we'll talk more when we get there about why that can't be the case in that particular situation. But here in Isaiah 41, Israel is called his servant and, uh, and God is, is talking about his his choice of them, um, the offspring of Abraham. And he calls them in verse 10, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you, help you and uphold you with my righteous hand, which is a, a hymn that we sing. Fear not. Right. I am with you. Oh, be not dismayed. What is that hymn? Um, We're going to get an email about it. I guarantee you. Uh Upheld by your righteous omnipotent hand. Yeah. Upheld by thy righteous omnipotent hand. I don't know. You should Google it. I can't do that. Violating the principle of what we do here. It's not. This is all off the top of our heads. It's Fear the top of our heads. Right. Not, I am with you. People are yelling at their radios right now. It's this one. Is it just called Fear Not I Am With You? No, 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 it's not. Hold on. I'm looking at the, the, the hymn. It's called... That's dun, not helpful. Dun, that's dun, saying dun, fear not dun, I am with dun, you. That's dun, not the, dun, that's not the name of the hymn though. Dun, 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 from dun. a foundation. Oh, thank you. He was right there. I knew that was what I was tip. about to say it, and then you were like, you just beat me to the punch. <laughs> well, here's something cool. So I, I'm studying Ephesians three right now. Yes. And I'm I'm kind of putting my head into the the uh, not my head in the sandals. I'm putting my that'd feet be interesting into the sandals of the first century church where Paul is highlighting the fact that Jew and Gentile are now in the same body. Yep. I look at Isaiah 41 and I think, wow, as I mean, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you are the people I look to from the, uh, took from the ends of the earth. I call them for the furthest corners and seeing you saying to you, you are my servant. I've chosen you and cast you not off. all of these promises, all of this affection, this special and tender love that God displays toward Israel. I can understand why the Jews would have been totally surprised when Paul says, and guess what? The mystery is that the Gentiles 
are included in the body that Christ is bringing together. Because here, you, you get no sense. Of that. I mean, you, you get hints. You get hints of it, but not the way that Paul later reveals it, Paul and the apostles. So this is really cool. We look at Israel and we say, man, God's special love for Israel, but I, I can't help but see God's tender loving care also for those whom he has chosen globally yeah. over the course of the history of the church. He has chosen more than Israel. He's yeah. chosen us too. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. How about, how about verse 14? Fear not, you worm, Jacob. <laughs> I mean, talk about humiliation. Like, hey, I mean, first of all, I'm your chosen. Now I'm a worm. Yeah. Let's put yeah. them in their place for sure. He is. And the, the image there is of a worm in front of mountains and thinking, okay, how is the worm going to be able to overcome the mountains? And then he says, but I'm going to transform you. Your redeemer, which is a, a theme that comes through in these chapters, your redeemer is going to make you a, a sledge, a threshing sledge uh, to cut through the mountains and to obliviate the mountains there. And so this idea of, of reminding them that it's not because of you. But God is going to be the one that's going to do this. I was going to say that worm has big teeth. Right, right. Yeah. Well, only because God enables that, right? Well, and that's the cool thing. God, God enables or creates. Uh, creates he, he takes Israel and makes them the weapon of his judgment. Right. So it doesn't matter who it is. God can use anyone he wants to use, including donkeys. Right, right. And he's going to provide for their needs, as he talks about in 17 through 20 there. And then again, he attacks the idols in the chapter and says, why are you going to go after them? They are nothing. Verse 24, your work is less than nothing. It's an abomination to the one who chooses you. Um, and then in verse 25, I stirred one, up one from the north and he has come from the rising of the sun. This introduces uh, us to the concept of or to the person of, I, I believe, Cyrus, um, who would be a Persian king who God would use. And later on in, in Isaiah, he's going to call Cyrus his servant. In fact, we're going to get there, I think, in tomorrow's reading. Um, but this idea that, that God is going to use Cyrus to bring the people out of exile and to bring the people back into the, the promised land. And and this is not going to be the ultimate ingathering that's going to happen in the end of the ages before the Messianic kingdom, but this is going to be a foreshadow of that that's going to take place after the judgment because again, the judgment is coming. Babylon is going to come. Part of the comfort is going to be short term and there's going to be this one that comes from the north that God is going to use to work that deliverance uh, because Cyrus was the, the the one, the Persian king who oversaw the, the over overthrow of, of Babylon and then ultimately um, Israel being able to go back home and rebuild the temple and so forth and so on. But um, this is also a foreshadow of what would come when there would be another one that would come that would be the, the ultimate deliverer in the future. Right. I think I also see a, a reference to Cyrus in verse two, uh, same chapter, chapter 41, verse two. I think he's there as well. Yes. Which in that case talks about him from, from the east. So you have north, you have east. Is it north? Is it east? Well, and the answer is yes. Yes. Yeah, because Babylon was from the east, so it would have been east of, of the city. But when Cyrus came against Babylon in the Persian army, they came from the north in that battle. And so problem solved. God is very detailed <laughs> laying out, hey, here's exactly what's even going to happen directionally uh, with everything going on there. Well, what's fascinating, too, is that throughout these chapters, you see a continued a recurring theme of, hey, st- whoever trusts in idols is basically a complete moron. Don't do that, Israel. Why do you think God, <laughs> why do you think God works so hard to do something that just sounds so obvious and yet he has to reemphasize it over and over again? I, he's, he does the same thing with us, doesn't he? I, right. All day, every yeah. day. I, I mean, I think that's the, I, I'm, I'm constantly humbled. I, I feel like I want to say, I get it, God. I get it. Right. I know I really do get it. And I think he's saying, no, you don't. No, right. No, really, you don't. You get, I, I, I think sometimes we overestimate our own intelligence, our own strength. Mm. Um, man, I heard, I heard a story recently. Well, it's not a story. I heard a report recently of something tragic that happened at one of our, our one of the local churches nearby. 
you know, one of their one of their godly men in their congregation does something grievous, something that no one would expect, and I, I know it shakes people up when a leader stumbles mm. and falls in such magnificent, not magnificent, um, grievous. Mm. The word is looking for is the large one, large ways. And I think the point is to not put your trust in people. Don't put your trust in idols. Put your trust in the Lord. Have, have let the Lord be your strength. Let Him be your guide. Um, and and I, I dare I say with a bit of caution too, um, because I don't think this is entirely all that God has to say about it. But I wouldn't even put trust in, in the human leaders that you follow. Ultimately, our trust is in God. Right. Um, we trust Him even as we follow and obey the leaders that He puts in our lives. Same idea goes when you go to the doctor. You're not trusting the doctor to to heal you. You're trusting God to heal you. But you take the doctor's advice. You yeah. follow the doctor's orders. And in the same way, I think God continues to call us to trust Him, not the idols. Yeah. Yeah, well, in chapter 42, we mentioned the servant back in chapter 41, verse 8, referring to the people of Israel and not the servant of Isaiah 53. Here we get the, the servant as not the people of Israel, but I believe the individual in view. And Why do you say that? Well, if you look at the description, he he identifies him as an individual here. He says, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice. And so here we have a picture of the coming Messiah. And this is a a picture of meekness and humility that we can see as uh, that which characterized the first advent of Christ. Um, and uh, and he is the the one that is in view here. The, the servant here is not the, the group, but the individual. If we look further on, he continues to, to speak about the servant. He says in verse six, I'm the Lord. I've called you in my righteousness. So I'll take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind. Here again, we have the idea of the, the coming Messiah and the impact that he would have. He's the, the covenant that God's going to make. He's the fulfillment of all covenants and also the inaugurator of the new covenant of God's blessings upon the people. And so we see an anticipation again of the Messiah um, in view as the servant at the beginning of chapter 42. Yeah, I would probably look at this passage and look backward with my New Testament in hand. It would be harder for me to make the, the case, I think, contextually. I would be, uh, okay, well, he, he talks to Israel and with the same terms. My servant, the term chosen. Granted, there's a, there's a few nuances here. I put my spirit upon him. That's different. Right. That's that's not something that he says about Israel. But I would for sure look at my New Testament and say, okay, well, Christ did, in fact, come to heal the blind or to, to remove blindness. He did, in fact, establish the covenant, the new covenant in his blood. I think about verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. And yet in John seventeen five, Jesus says, give me the glory that we once shared. Oh, right. could say that right so i see jesus in this all over the place but i would have a harder time doing it in the immediate context and, and and that's that's a great point and that's when you read about luke 24 and the two disciples on the road to emmaus right. and they're struggling and jesus explained to them from the scriptures that it was necessary that the christ should suffer and then enter into his glory i think we we kind of think of just this massive sermon on the entirety of the old testament where jesus is preaching through every verse and going here's how this points to me here's how th- i i I see it less as that and more of him walking through passages like this one Mm. passages going, Hey, when Isaiah talked about the servant in 42, like that, that's me, dude. That that's who I am. If if Jesus said, "Dude, bros, <laughs> what's up, bro?" Um, bro, I, I think that's what he's talking about there, and uh, and I, I think it's it's giving them the eyes to be able to see and understand. Um, in that that context and so then after this there's the the call to sing a a a song that's that's universal to to praise the lord um for this servant that would come and and for the one who would work the glory of the lord let them give glory to the lord verse 12 and declare his praise in the coastlands um 
for a long time, I've held my peace. I've restrained myself. And now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. I will lay waste at the mountains and hills. I will turn the darkness before them into light and rough places to level ground. But then there are those that would reject um, and those that would uh, still fail. And and there's this look back. There's, It's kind of... Uh, We've talked about it. Isaiah's hard, right? And there's in in the end of chapter forty two prov- provides another situation where it's it's difficult because he's when is this? Yeah, Who is this? Right, because everything's going well, and then all of a sudden Israel is messing up again. Right, and it's is this after? Is this pre-exile? Is this post-exile? Is this when is this taking place? Millennial kingdom? Is this millennial kingdom? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look at verse 20. He sees many things, but does not see them, does not observe them. His ears are open, but he does not hear. That's the fulfillment of Isaiah 6. Like, I'm going to send you to the people, and you're going to say see, but they're not going to see. You're going to say hear, but they're not going to hear. Right. And here, that's happening again. And he's talking about his servant, verse 19. Who is blind, but my servant. Right. That's Israel. That's, that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Again, yeah. that now we're back to, to dealing with Israel. Um, who gave it? Verse 24, Jacob to the looter and Israel to the plunderers. Israel needed, again, this idea of deliverance there. And, and maybe Isaiah's doing that to set up again. Look, again, let's remember, this is what we're going to need. We're going to need deliverance. Remember why we need this. And then he gets into 43, uh, our last chapter in Isaiah for, for today, where he's pointing again to uh, the deliverance that would come. Um, and he would come, this deliverer would come from Yahweh. Again, the comfort is there because fear not for I have redeemed you. This is the future perfect. This is, he's going to to bring to fruition all of these things that he promises. Why? Verse three, for I am the Lord. I'm Yahweh. I am your God. I am the Holy one of Israel. I am your savior. Um, and so God is, is reminding them they need deliverance and he would bring deliverance. Right. And, and this whole chapter, I mean, you're going to see, you're going to see God tell them, fear not, fear not, fear not. You just like a, a constant refrain in the backdrop right. supporting this entire chapter. And I think that's a fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's one of the most, if not the most commanded commands. In I scripture. would believe it. Yeah. Fear not. Yeah. Uh, and the tendency is that most of us do fear. We talked about anxiety yesterday. Yep. Uh, anxiety and fear are very close. If, if they're, if they're not brother and sister, they're cousins, at least, uh, fear is a natural to the human person. Uh, to have boldness and confidence is supernatural. And that's something that God does within us. And he gives us reasons for this. He doesn't ask us to trust him and believe in him uh, apart from reason and truth. He actually says, well, in light of all of this truth that I'm about to lay out to you, you have every reason to trust and be, and be confident in me. Yeah. You know what? We're, we're in Isaiah 43 and that's tomorrow's reading. <sighs> yeah. So, hey, you got a jump start on tomorrow, but instead let's, uh, let's bookmark this. <laughs> We'll, we'll circle back and you hit said that. it was the last one of the Dude. day and I'm like okay i guess well i was i didn't look mistaken okay we're, we're in colossians chapter one though that i know for sure so fear not do you want to go back and edit this be not dismayed i don't okay i don't want to edit it all right this is why people listen to us because it's it's the just raw, the, the raw unedited, unedited unfiltered unhinged yeah Hey, Colossians 1, though. Uh, Colossians is written by the Apostle Paul, and it's written to remind us of the superiority and sufficiency of Jesus. That's the whole concept behind the book, and uh, and that comes through so often in this book. But it opens with a great prayer uh, in chapter 1, as Paul so often does in his letters, where he is thanking God for the believers there and also praying for them. And uh, just a great prayer, again, that can be prayed for other believers, prayed for us as the pastors in the church. We would value a prayer, prayer like this, that we would be strengthened with all power according to the glorious might of God for all endurance and patience with joy um, because of what he's done for us, right? This is just a, a, such a good prayer for the good of believers anchored to the reality of what God has done for us. 
And then in chapter one, verses 15 through uh, 20, you get this Christological hymn, uh, Christological being uh, of or pertaining to Jesus or, or Christ. And it's, it's just praising him and the, the deity of Christ. You get some of the most clear, plain statements of the deity of, of Christ anywhere in the New Testament in this passage in Colossians chapter one. And there's question about whether or not this was a creedal hymn that was sung um, in churches from the, the earliest of time that Paul is recording for us here in Colossians chapter one, or if it originated here in Colossians chapter one and then became a creedal hymn that was sung after this in a lot of churches. But this is a, a, a hymn of praise that exalts Jesus as the one who is, as it says, they're preeminent, which means the one who holds first place in all things. Paul's going to get to this later, but I think it's worth bringing up now. One of the things that you must guard as a Christian is your understanding of who Christ is. Um, every cult gets Jesus wrong. Yeah. Every cult wants to make him a, a mere man or an angel or something other, one God among a panoply of gods. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 flies in the face of everything these guys teach, these false teachers. So maybe this is one of those passages that you might want to memorize. Yep. I, I will guarantee you there is never a time where this will not be helpful, especially when engaging with false teachers. Yep, I would agree. I would agree with that 100%. Uh, there is a, a warning, though, that's uh, given here that he says, you know what, we've been reconciled. But notice what it says in verse 23, if indeed you continue in the faith. Uh, this is a warning passage to be thought of similarly to how uh, we think about the warning passages and text in Hebrews, that uh, for genuine believers, is there a, a danger that we won't continue in the faith? Well, no, that I don't think that that's uh, allowable or permissible. But I do think that this is an important reminder to us as believers of the need for us to continually to endure to press on and to, and to guard against any sort of drift or slide in our lives one way or the other. That's helpful. Now tell me, Pastor PJ, verse 24, it seems like I'm, I'm finishing my salvation that Christ started. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, Paul says, and in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Uh, are we are we uh, supplying in any way uh, or adding anything to the salvation that Christ has apparently not finished for us? No. Uh, yeah, you, I, I understand how that would read that way. Um, no, what Paul's uh, referring to there um, is the idea that that what Christ's suffering was lacking is what Paul was doing presently, which is to go out and plant churches and to spread the gospel and to raise up believers and to teach believers and to see believers, as he goes on to say, they're uh, mature in Christ. And, and that's his goal. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. A good way to think about this is the the metaphor for the church most often used in the new testament is that we are the body of christ we are um, the body why are yes. his hands okay i got it yeah i was going i don't know that song <laughs> okay of course you knew that song casting crowns buddy I do. come on i do um and, and the reason why we're called the body is because we're doing the work of christ here on earth his physical body isn't here but his spiritual body which is the church is here which is physical doing the work <laughs> yes doing the work uh, that he has for us to do, filling up what was lacking in his afflictions. In other words, by carrying on the mission that he's got for us to carry on with proclaiming the gospel until he comes back for us. Amen. Helpfully succinct. Verses 28, 29, man, I'm all about that. Those, those are my ministry life verses right there. Yeah. Him we proclaim, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And is that not the purpose of the church? Amen. We're building up people. We're trying to help everyone grow up. And, and we're going to read that great passage in, in chapter two uh, tomorrow. But this is the goal of the church. Our job, your job in my pastor PJ is to present everyone mature in Christ. And that's, that's one reason Paul says, uh, that's the reason for his toiling, his struggling with all the energy that God works within him. He wants to present everyone mature in Christ. That's what we're looking to do with you guys. And by the way, we're not going to get there until we're home with him. 
And, and that's one of the, the reasons why we're never done with church. That's right. As a believer, you never get to a place where you're like, I don't need the church anymore. And that's true for pastors as well. We, we, we are not going to get to a place where we're like, we don't need the church anymore. We've got enough degrees. We've got enough knowledge. We've got enough. Nope. You are not going to reach the, the full maturity of Christ likeness until you are called home to be with him. That's right. Um, and so until then, we are part of the body of Christ together. We're committed to you. You're committed to us. We're all committed to Christ. Right. Right. Amen. Well, hey, join us tomorrow when we will cover Isaiah 43 and 44. Today you got the trailer. Today you got Wait the, till the you preview. Wait the whole movie. Ooh, Wait till you so get it good. all. Fear not. We'll be back tomorrow <laughs> for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Yeah, yeah.